Sports Analytics Podcast. Today is Wednesday, March 31st. We are going to get you ready for a uh, Wednesday night NBA slate on Superdraft, going position by position and talking through some uh, potential plays for cash and tournament considerations. Starting at the center position, it does feel like a somewhat thin night at center. Um, some of the top tier centers from a raw standpoint have uh, somewhat costly multipliers on them. Carl Anthony Towns certainly has been paying off that 1.15x uh, multiplier that he's currently at tonight. Um, do have to wonder with this Minnesota team with Beasley back in the mix. Uh, so far, it hasn't really hurt. Um, some of these other Minnesota players, we'll get to Edwards, I guess, a little later. But um, you, know, you do have to figure over time, uh, Beasley is a guy who prior to suspension was playing minutes in the you know, 30s, uh, taking a lot of shots for this offense, using uh, a lot of possessions for uh, either his shot taking or distribution. I think in his case, mostly uh, shot taking. You, know, you do have to wonder if over time that uh, – that added presence into the Minnesota lineup could stand impact guys like Towns or Edwards. Uh, so far, that hasn't been the case, uh, but will definitely be something to keep an eye on uh, moving forward and kind of being cognizant of how Minnesota shots are being distributed. But we've got a fairly favorable projection on Towns as one of the top uh, three center plays on the slate. We tend to prefer uh, two centers actually going out one another and Rudy Gobert at 1.25x with Donovan Mitchell out tonight. There should be a little more usage that opens up in the Utah offense. Uh, would expect most of that to get absorbed by some of these ball handlers like uh, Conley or Ingles or, you know, more uh, Jordan Clarkson with the starting unit where he's prone to take uh, a good bit of shots while playing, but could see some of that trickle to Gobert. Uh, his projection is just naturally going to be high because of his uh, productive block rate. Uh, you know, he's he's every night really good for good for you know one at least a block or two. Uh, and you know, if he has a big night, that stuff can really add up. Uh, at one point two five x, you're getting um, you know almost four points per block for Gobert. Uh, so he's he's got a strong projection. And then also going against him is Jonas Valanciunas. Uh, J-Val, less productive as a shot blocker, but a highly productive rebounder, I think stands to benefit from going up against Utah, who's got a, uh, I don't know, they're, they're, they're actually kind of league average as far as pace. Memphis, on the other hand, plays pretty quick. Uh, they, over the last 30 days, have been the fastest team on tonight's slate, um, playing over the last 30 days at, 102.4 possessions per 48 minutes. So they're going to be up tempo. A lot of shots being taken. Um, you know, Jay Val is there to collect just a high percentage of rebounds that are available while he's on the floor. Uh, so I think has a pretty strong projection on account of that and stands to benefit from an up pace, up tempo environment that we uh, can expect this game to be played at. We mentioned Towns. Uh, Porzingis doesn't have quite a strong projection tonight as he usually does. Uh, Doncic has been out of the lineup at times recently. That has really buoyed Porzingis's projection. It's also going up against uh, Boston tonight, which is a tough 
Uh, front court matchup, Boston tends to play pretty slow. Um, actually quite slow. Both of these teams are, are just very slow in pace. Um, so it's kind of a, a, a slow tempo matchup, also a tough matchup for Porzingis. So we don't have the strongest projection on him tonight. He's not a guy uh, that I'd be super interested in uh, for cash or tournament purposes. Uh, interesting tournament play kind of uh, above Porzingis in terms of projection. Um, I'm sorry, just below Porzingis in terms of projection is Jakob Pertl. Uh, he has been solidly in the low 30s for minutes. I think there were points this year where kind of he was waffling between 30, 30 minute games and then like low 20 minute games, times where he failed to really get north of 30 minutes. But he's been north of 30 minutes, I think, the last three games going up against Sacramento, who will be running a true center in Rashawn Holmes. We'll see if Whiteside plays, uh, but assuming. You know, I think regardless, like, you know, I don't think Pirtle is going to be small balled out. So expect him to be north of 30 minutes, probably in the 31 to 32 minute range. Can be a somewhat low usage player, but at 1.65x, he's got a good multiplier on him. He can block shots. He can get rebounds. Um, he's not a total zero in terms of offensive production. So we like Pirtle a good bit. Uh, Sacramento is going to be an up-paced, up-tempo matchup for San Antonio. Um, or Well, they're about league average, so not a super up-tempo matchup, um, but nonetheless a good uh, scoring environment for Pirtle. That Sacramento-San Antonio game is the highest total on the slate at 231.5, so uh, Sacramento just allowing a lot of production to their opponents. So we've got a pretty strong projection on Pirtle. Vucevic uh, now on Chicago has, um, you know, I think is sharing some of that, uh, you know, usage that he kind of had a full command on uh, while he was in Orlando with guys like Zach Levine. Uh, so we don't have the strongest production on Vucevic, who uh, at times this year has been kind of one of the top um, centers on, on a pretty regular basis. I mean, when I'm looking now at kind of his usage charts and uh, while in Orlando, I mean, he was, uh, I mean, early, you know, for most of the season kind of been centered around 30% usage rate. And then in this late most recent stretch in which Terrence Ross has been injured a lot, um, you know, and some of these other uh, Fournier has been out a good bit or had been out a good bit. And like Vucevic was just consistently over 30% usage a night since joining Chicago, he has been, uh, his first game, 21% usage rate. His second game, 27.5% usage rate. So, uh, yeah, his, his just overall kind of offensive usage is not where it used to be with Orlando. So uh, even though he's at kind of the same price point of about 1.2, um, you know, we don't have the strongest projection on him. Uh, I think my preferences would be to go with a guy like uh, Pirtle for tournaments, Rashawn Holmes, I think, always a viable tournament play, but his multipliers come down to 1.4. Um, for cash game purposes, going with a, a, a more consistent guy like Jay Val or Gobert might be, uh, might be the lean at center. Forward, we've got some injuries opening up. I think a lot of opportunities specifically at the forward position. Uh, Kyle Lowry is going to be out for Toronto, which although he's a guard, uh, would figure to transition uh, some of that 
usage and kind of ball handling uh, opportunity, or I guess really for an Anobi, he's more of a shot taker than kind of a ball handler and distributor. But um, nonetheless, I think going to open up some good scoring opportunities for OG. Uh, since returning from injury, he's been locked into a 30 plus minute role. And I think the exciting thing about him is, uh, you know, you have the confluence of uh, Norman Powell being traded away to Portland. Lowry has been out, uh, I think, one game since Ananobi's return. And the guy's just taking a lot of shots. He's been uh, taking no fewer than 12 shots over his last six games uh, since he came back from injury. Uh, I think the game that Lowry was out, he had like 15 shot attempts. So, uh, yeah, between Powell being gone and Lowry being out, I think it does open up some good opportunity for Ananobi. And he just has the highest multiplier of that uh, Toronto kind of starting set, you know, Van Vliet, uh, Siakam, who we like a good bit, but is still priced uh, more, uh, I guess, with a lower multiplier than Ananobi. So I uh, feel really good about Ananobi tonight going up against OKC uh, with Lowry out. We touched on Siakam a bit, uh, kind of the same thesis for Siakam, uh, you know, just with Lowry out, I think there's going to be a little more opportunity uh, for Siakam to take a more, dominant role as part of that Toronto offense. He has been comfortably in the mid thirties as far as his minutes goes. We're projecting him as a 30% usage rate for tonight. Um, at 1.3 X, there is a little less uh, value there, but you know, still, still a strong play. On the OKC side, we uh, do have just a number of injuries that are gonna open up value on the OKC side. Uh, you know, Baisley, Dort, SGA, Muscala, these guys have all been out for a while. And in their absence, we've seen a lot of Alex Pokashevsky, a lot of Moses Brown, not really as a um, super dominant uh, offensive player, but, you know, uh, a hyper productive uh, rebounder and defensive player. Uh, Pokashevsky has been ruled out tonight and won't be playing. Uh, so Roby figures to be a guy who's just in line for a lot of minutes. We have Muscala already out. Uh, Baisley plays a decent bit of power forward. Dort is kind of a uh, shooting guard, small forward. Uh, and then with Pokashevsky, who's been kind of this uh, point forward, uh, small forward, power forward type guy, there's just not a whole lot of active bodies at kind of the uh, front court positions for Oklahoma City. They did add Tony Bradley, who will probably be in line for backup center duty. But uh, yeah, there's just not a whole lot of bodies there uh, at o in OKC's front court. And then you take out a guy like Pokashevsky, who's also been high usage player for OKC, uh, just figures to be a lot of minutes and usage opportunity for Roby. So we've got a strong projection on him, uh, projecting him as our second favorite center behind Ananobi. Um, Kuzma has, you know, just been a pretty productive guy with LeBron out and with Davis out. Uh, Superdraft doesn't, hasn't been bringing down his multiplier at the rate that our projections would suggest is necessary. And um, he, you know, I think has a strong projection post multiplier uh, going up against a super fast Milwaukee team. Uh, figures to be an extra shot or two uh, available for Kuzma tonight. So we've got a strong projection on him at the 1.5 X mark. 
We mentioned Cat at center, uh, also has forward eligibility. Figure that he'll get a lot of ownership just given his production and his dual position eligibility. So like that play there. Uh, interested in RJ Barrett going up against Minnesota, uh, a good kind of pace up spot for the New York guys. Uh, Barrett has been playing more minutes than Randall as of late. And uh, I think he's just in a good spot given that up-tempo environment. He's got dual position eligibility. Expect him to get uh, pretty good ownership tonight uh, as he's a pretty popular player. Moving along to the guard position, uh, we don't have, I, I would say the top of our projections tend to skew more towards forwards and centers, uh, but Kyrie going up against Houston, it is a revenge game for Harden, but Kyrie is the one with the uh, higher multiplier, 1.25x. Uh, expect more raw production out of Harden, definitely, but uh, given the multiplier on Kyrie, we are leaning a bit his way uh, between those two Brooklyn guards. Um, so I think Kyrie is worth consideration uh, and I think has good leverage properties against Harden. Uh, we touched on the Minnesota uh, situation. Anthony Edwards, we're still projecting quite well. Uh, there is some thinking that with the return of Beasley, at least we were thinking that there might be uh, some reduction in role for Edwards, either fewer minutes or fewer shot attempts. That has not been the case. He's been locked into a mid-30s role as far as minutes goes. And I think the big thing uh, to note is the uh, shot attempts he's taking. You know, he was taking shot attempts up over 20 uh, with Beasley out. And Beasley's a guy, you know, who's going to get his fair share of reps. Kind of expected that to come out of Edwards, uh, you know, out of Edwards, I guess, shot attempts. But that hasn't been the case. Um, Edwards has taken 22 shots in both of the games that Beasley has been back. Uh, so, uh, you know. With that in mind, I think we're still pretty bullish on Edwards and kind of expect him to continue at the rate that he has been uh, producing and playing at, uh, you know, even before Beasley was in back in the mix. Uh, so like Edwards, a good bit there. Uh, of course, De'Aaron Fox, you know, is going to be a strong projection. His minutes have been awesome, you know, in the high mid to high 30s every night. Uh, you know, high usage rate, kind of the, do the dominant uh Ball handler there for Sacramento. Definitely think, you know, there's like guys like Buddy Heald and Harrison Barnes tend to get overlooked and they're taking, you know, a lot of shots. Um, so I think those guys could, uh, you know, it's not like there's just uh, no one in Sacramento to compete with uh, Fox, but he just does so much, you know, as a defender to, you know, gets, gets steals, gets assists, uh, can score the basketball. So we like Fox a good bit. Uh, Drew Holiday for Milwaukee going up against Los Angeles. Uh, he's just at a good multiplier. You know, 1.5X is a lot for a guy who has been locked into minutes in the mid thirties, uh, isn't going to be the dominant ball handler for Milwaukee, but is going to get his fair share of opportunity. Uh, we've got him for a usage rate at 23% tonight. And uh, Jordan Clarkson, you know, we touched on Gobert uh, standing to benefit from the absence of Mitchell, but uh, I think ultimately Jordan Clarkson is kind of the guy who, who stands to play up in some of these uh, non-Mitchell games. So Clarkson, I think a guy to circle as a uh, you know, player of high interest. So that'll do it for tonight's NBA slate. Um, yeah, also just wanted to talk through uh, baseball. We uh, have the MLB season kicking off tomorrow. Very excited for that. Uh, this will be my first season playing uh, 
MLB DFS on Superdraft. So interested to see how that plays out. Uh, I'm pretty excited just about our projection system and the optimizer that we have set up for uh, Superdraft contests as well as DraftKings and FanDuel. So encourage you guys to check that out on the site. It's actually free to access today. Uh, you know, for people who are wanting to get ready and prepared for the games tomorrow. Uh, some interesting notes about Superdraft. The roster construction is a bit different. Um, it's kind of halfway between DraftKings and FanDuel. Uh, it's got the two-pitcher uh, format like DraftKings, which I tend to like. I think just, you know, requires the uh, players to make one extra decision. And, you know, that second pitcher is a pretty big decision point. Um, I think offers just a good way to differentiate. Um, the difference really lies in, in their uh, offensive roster. You know, FanDuel allows for this utility position. There's some flexibility between uh, catcher first base. I think in general, you can get a, um, like there's less stringent uh, roster constraints for hitters on FanDuel, especially now as they've added, I think, multi-position eligibility. Superdraft, there are no, hitter positions you just select six hitters you can get six first basemen you can get six outfielders um but it's kind of a small lineup as opposed to uh DraftKings and FanDuel where they have kind of these expansive uh offensive rosters uh Superdraft you only get six hitters you can get a max of four players uh from a single offense um so I think it's gonna be interesting in the early stages I'm trying to pay attention to what kind of uh are successful stacking mixes like i think uh for DraftKings, i think we're more familiar with baseball uh like good strategies are like a four four three stack um and then having uh, a one-off uh or going like three three or four two and you know saving some room for one-offs but i think in general uh you know i try to deploy like two separate stacks uh in a lineup at with six slots you know, you conceivably could do a four-two, uh, you know, offense, but then you're just leaving yourself kind of no room for one-off, uh, like value, value-oriented hitters. Um, so it'd be interesting to see kind of what the optimal strategy is. I'll be trying to pay attention to kind of what uh, lineups are winning. Hopefully, some of mine will be winning, but uh, if not, paying attention to what some of the winning lineups are. Are people deploying two stacks, like uh, you know, three-two? or two, three player stacks or, you know, four, two stack and having no one-offs are people just choosing a single uh, stack to stack up with like three or four guys. And then just a network of one-offs on top of that. I think all stuff to pay attention to uh, all of this is achievable with our optimizer where there are uh, capabilities for setting stack parameters and optimizing towards that. Uh, preventing matchups or lineups rather that roster pitchers and opposing hitters. Uh, we really try to think of it all and kind of are continuing to iron out what the uh, best in class uh, MLB optimizers should look like and what inputs and parameters those should allow for. Uh, so if you are poking around with the tool today or in future days, uh, definitely feel free to reach out to us if you have uh feature developments you would like to see made. Uh, if there's kind of ways you're building your, or would like to build your lineup that can't with the given tool uh, or with the current state of the tool as we have it, you know, definitely uh, give us some recommendations and we're happy to work towards implementing that. But in general, I mean, I think, um, you know, we're still in kind of the 
nascent stage of Superdraft uh, as far as it being a uh, widely used and kind of projected for website and uh, or platform rather. And if the industry as a whole is going to lag behind in terms of projection for Superdraft, I think it should be a good opportunity for uh, people who are using Superdraft specific projections, uh, who are using Superdraft specific optimizers to uh, gain an edge against opponents, particularly for MME, uh, where there's an added advantage to being able to scale up uh, your ability to create quality lineups. Um, think in general, like you can plug in DraftKings projections to uh, Superdraft multiplier and begin to create, I think, pretty functional hand-built lineups and, you know, maybe a hand builder using good DraftKings projections could create uh, five lineups that are roughly similar to uh, Superdraft specific projections and lineups that are optimized, you know, using Superdraft specific parameters. But as you begin to scale up, you know, I think it's really difficult to make like a hundred good lineups by hand uh, as you kind of get larger and larger in scale. And, you know, the nice thing is there are cheap entry points where you can play you know, 150 lineups, 200, 300 lineups uh, at reasonable uh, price points, uh, you, you begin, I think, to realize maybe more of your edge if you are using Superdraft-specific projections, Superdraft-specific optimizers. Um, so really encourage you guys to check that out. We will continue to uh, try to do some MLB-specific content uh, on the podcast and, and in some of our writing uh, as the season unfolds. So stay tuned for that. And we will be back tomorrow with Definitely some MLB talk and uh, may, I'm sorry, definitely some NBA talk, uh, potentially some talk of MLB, uh, some later slate stuff. We'll see kind of what contests uh, they make available on Superdraft. But uh, until then, feel free to look at our site uh, for any uh, Superdraft projection or optimization uh, content and also check out Superdraft's uh, contests at superdraft.io. Uh, they've got it all going tonight, you know, basketball, hockey they'll have the same tomorrow plus you know the big opening day mlb slate uh and a pga uh tournament this weekend so check out all of that at draft.com